This is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Yes, indeed. Time for another crossover episode here on Locked On Mariners. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app you care to use. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and find me on Twitter as well at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you're scoring at home. I'm rushing through the intro today because the conversation in today's crossover ran very long. It was with Bryce Patrick of Locked on Rangers, and here it is. Hey, Bryce, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, DC? Hanging in there. How is your Wednesday so far? Oh, it's 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 pretty chill. We're here to do a little bit of a crossover episode, um, as they say. And I don't know if you watch. Do you watch BoJack Horseman? No. Oh, well, <laughs> there's this very funny ongoing bit of these two TV stars. Whenever they run into each other in real life, they're like, what is this, a crossover episode? So okay. if you do listen to BoJack Horseman, please let me know that you get that reference. So, um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about some uh, some baseball, I guess. Some Mariners and Rangers baseball. The two... The two wait, were they the two worst teams in the division last year? I don't know. Okay, no, Rangers were third. They were pretty close to, to the Angels with, with how the Rangers just kind of fell off a cliff in the, the back half of last season. But And the Mariners fell off a cliff after May, so yeah. <laughs> but the, Easily the worst in the West last year. Yeah, yeah, and I thought they had a worse season than they did, and I was looking like, all right, like maybe they'll get like a top three pick, but no, there were some really, really bad teams last year, like the Tigers, forty-seven and one fourteen, oh. the Royal, like two hundred loss teams in one division uh, in the Central. the The Royals had one hundred and three losses. The Orioles had one hundred and eight. Um, which I liked. Uh, a friend of mine who's from like Rangers Twitter, who used to work at BP, just got a job with. Uh, the Orioles mm-hmm. um, as a, a scouting guy, and so we always like to tease him, like, "Hey, that Adley Rutschman kid, you know, you should you should let him stick a catcher. He seems pretty good." Other than that, I don't really know what what else you do for the for the Orioles, but I feel like there was some like low key good parts of Seattle season that everyone just kind of forgets because they kind of fell off a cliff. But what were some of the the good parts of, of 2019? Some good players that'll be around for for the future, or some some positive building blocks for for Seattle. There were a few of them. Dan, the first half of Daniel Vogelback's season was certainly one of them. The second half, <laughs> not so much. But I, <laughs> everybody was very impressed with Kyle Lewis when he came up in September and just started hitting everything in sight and a lot of balls out of the ballpark, which was unusual. He hadn't shown that type of power in the minor leagues. So I don't know if he will be a... I don't think that the home run power that he showed is going to be normal for him. I think he'll get a lot of doubles, and I think he'll hit... But the home run power, no, that's an outlier. Uh, what else? The pitching's not so much with oh, the pitching looking, staff. I'm, Go ahead. But I'm on your baseball reference page, and I, I saw like one thing like toward the bottom. I'm like, all right, who's the guy who's played the fewest games? And I forgot. Ichiro Suzuki yeah. played two games in yes. 2019. Gosh, that yeah. guy is such a special player. And like, if you're a baseball fan, you can't help but love him and all that he stands for and all that he's been and all that he's meant to to the Mariners. Like, what was that like for you? Because, I mean, the Rangers fans just had their own, I guess, equivalent of that uh, with Adrian Beltre retiring just last year. But it wasn't quite – it wasn't the same as, as Ichiro because I feel like Ichiro is one of those, like – he's like the Derek Jeter – like what Jer- Derek Jeter meant to the Yankees, Ichiro meant to the Mariners because he was there in the good times and he was there in the bad times. He was there for so much mm-hmm. and he just meant so much to that community. What was it like for – for Seattle having to deal with with his retirement, even though you kind of knew it was coming for a little bit. 
Well, we knew it was coming, I think, and so I don't think sort of dealing with the retirement is, is a decent way to put it because it was kind of taken in stride. Felix Hernandez leaving as a free agent almost was... I mean, everybody knew that that was coming too, so maybe that's not quite accurate, but... Um, you know, this it's no question that the team was getting younger, and Ichiro just doesn't quite fit into that type of team. Plus, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it doesn't look like he can hit the fastball anymore. And rather than play out the season and put up subpar numbers and take up a roster spot from a kid who's trying to earn a job for the future, he stepped aside and took a front office position and said, I'm done as a player, I've done what I can do and I'm going to step aside and let the kids go at it. I remember when he came over. In 2001 was his first season here. I was 16 years old. And Ichiro is... I mean, it, it, he's kind of hard to equate to any other contemporary big league player because <laughs> because his skill set was so unique for the time, and he was almost a mythical figure. It was almost like the Beatles coming over from England in 1964. <laughs> there was that much hype uh, yeah. around it. Yeah, and in Japan... He, Ichiro might be bigger in Japan than Michael Jordan was here in the mid-90s during the Chicago Bulls heyday. He is absolutely <laughs> a legend over there. Yeah, and I, I remember, like, because the Rangers had their own history with, with Japanese players and in New Darvish, who was an yes. absolute megastar when he came over. And I'm I'm still not over losing him. Like, I, <laughs> I will never be over losing him. And the thing that I hate the most is how much criticism he got here. Like, I don't know if you saw it from just like baseball overlap of all this stupid crap of he's not an ace he's not a real number one he doesn't get the shutdown all these stupid nitpicky crap things that were totally unfair and just downright stupid uh, um, criticisms of you Darvish when he was consistently like one of the better pitchers in baseball for like a long stretch and his just raw stuff he's just incredible to watch and so and seeing like all the the japanese media that covered him like even like the minor japanese players like japanese media is like no joke like they roll out in mass oh yeah for just about everybody and i'm sure like 70 percent of the media from like 2001 to like 2008 was like japanese because uh, yeah, Ichiro is is absolutely no joke. But um, and lest you forget, Kazuhiro Sasaki was also a member of the Mariners at that time. He came over in two thousand, so the Mariners had two of them. And Seattle has a huge Asian population, which yeah, added to do. it. I mean, they and they came out to support Ichiro. They came out to support Kazuhiro Sasaki. They were it was so much fun. The Japanese flags waving in the stands and the 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 kanji uh, people writing signs in kanji. For those two, it was it was nothing like that's ever going to happen again. I don't think. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. I I thought that there was some some overlap in uh, in A Rod and uh, and Ichiro being on there, but I'm, I'm realizing that uh, A Rod was in in Texas by then. Yes, um, he was. Yeah, yeah. was that the fir- was that the first year that he was in Texas? Yes, it was. He's, his last season as a Mariner was. 2000, and then um, he signed, let's just say, the free agent contract, because we may have different opinions. <laughs> we may have very different opinions on this. <laughs> what, 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 is, what is your opinion on that it was a, a bad contract, a good contract, or what? Seattle fans generally are not fans of Alex Rodriguez, and I'll leave it at that. Oh, no. no uh, Rangers fans aren't either, um, because... Not for the same like, reason. 
No, not for the same reason, but because he took up so much money and like he was actually like worth every penny of that, but the Rangers ownership was so broke they couldn't afford to go get any other player. That's why I thought and it was then, an odd deal to go to the Rangers because when I I saw he this, he wanted money. He just wanted the money and that's 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 why we don't like him because we knew he was chasing the money. No, I want to go to a winner. I want to go to a winner. That was complete bonk. He just wanted the money. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> at the time who was going to pitch for the Rangers. And obviously, it was a lot of guys who were not major league pitchers at that time. The answer was nobody. Um, and for another, like, eight years after that, it was still nobody. Um, but now, the Rangers have their pitchers. Like, this is kind of like the the Rangers right now have the reverse team of what everyone usually thinks yeah. of the Rangers having. is like, oh, they got a really, really good rotation. But their offense is kind of questionable. Like, they've got three guys who could legitimately contend for a Cy Young this year. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Lance Lynn last year should have finished top five in Cy Young voting, and Mike Miner should have, too. Mike Miner kind of fell off at the back half, and since the Rangers weren't competitive, like, that's why. I mean, the Cy Young voting was stupid. Like, the fact that Garrett Cole didn't win it, like, it still makes me mad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, look, look look at what Justin Verlander did when he was, like, 40. Like, I don't care. Like, Garrett Cole was phenomenal. Absolutely unhittable. Like, did they not watch the same Garrett Cole that I... He was their number one. Like, that's that's not a question for me. Like, I don't, it was just, like, old-school baseball people, like, oh, we pitch more innings. Like, that's, like, literally the only thing that he led Cole in. But that's another diversion. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, the Rangers have, like, Joey Gallo and then uh, a bunch of question marks offensively. Mm-hmm. Joey Gallo, people kind of forget. Do you remember how good Joey Gallo was in the first half of that season? I remember him having a batting average over 210. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he had two seventy five for the. Uh, no, yeah. that's fair. I've I've been a Joey Gallo stand since basically since the Rangers drafted him. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is a special player, and the adjustments that I've seen him make, and it pissed me off how people were like, "Oh, a little better guy." I'm like, "Shut up, shut up." It's not it's not nineteen ten anymore. Like we have other metrics besides batting average, but um, yeah, like the numbers went up. He was on it like top three MVP pace before he got hurt last year. He had a 3.1 war in 60 games. It's kind of insane. Um, he was on pace for like 60 home runs and uh, just honestly doing work. He hit 250 for the whole season, even with the last, like, I don't know, the second half that he played only like 10 games or so and he hit like 110 and just clearly wasn't himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some real question marks. But Willie Calhoun is is another like constant, and with the, I don't know if you saw the the scary face injury that he had, um, taking a pitch a fastball to the face, um, like the 95 miles an hour broke his jaw. But thankfully, like he's going to be ready for when the season starts. Right. Um, so um, yeah, and Elvis had a really down season last year. Odor had another down season. The Rangers catching situation was literally like abysmal. There were 86 games of Jeff Mathis. Who let me let me read you some of Jeff Mathis stats and yes. you're gonna want to vomit because I wanted to vomit every time I saw him okay. at the plate. No offense, Jeff Mathis, I'm sure you're a wonderful person, but his batting average was 158 on base of 209, slugged 224. His OPS plus was 11. 11. It was bad. What'd you say for slugging 224? 224. His OPS total was 443. <laughs> There are pitchers OPS. with better OPS numbers than that. There are a lot of pitchers with better OPS numbers than Not that. Not that I'm he thinking of Madison Bumgarner or anything, but... Like, good. literally, like, mediocre pitchers, like, mediocre batting pitchers. Yeah. Who, like, probably didn't bat in college either. <laughs> probably not. 
We're running a little bit late like, for a commercial yeah. break, so we got to read this ad copy and then come back. So we'll continue this. <laughs> Let's and go ahead and do that. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every way in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you have to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. Take it away, Bryce. So here's the deal. You get 25% off of Withings Body Plus right now with Withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, that's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. Thank you very much. One more item going into break. A Mariners and Rangers trivia question which might interest both uh, audiences. Franklin Gutierrez holds the major league record for most chances in a season in center field without making an error. He broke this record from a Texas Ranger who set the record in 1996. Who might that be? And that silence means I think we'll think about it over the break. <laughs> and break we sh- and break we shall right at this exact moment we shall be back in a few minutes or whenever. Alrighty, and we're back with this crossover episode between Locked On Rangers and Locked On Mariners. DC left us with a trivia question um, coming in, and I think I might have the answer. My guess is Rusty Greer. Ooh, no, that's incorrect. Uh, who? What? What's the answer? Daryl Hamilton previously held that huh. record. Interesting. I liked watching Hamilton play. That 1996 Texas Rangers team was... Very interesting. You said that this version of the Rangers is not what people think of the Rangers are with good pitching. That Rangers team also kind of was out of character, so to speak, for them because their defense was really good. I mean, obviously they had the offensive numbers, which is what the Rangers were known for. Mm-hmm. But in 1996, anyways, was just a crazy offensive season for the American League in particular. But they also had some very good pitching that season, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. Um, I mean, Pudge Rodriguez is one of the best. Like, in my opinion, like, I don't care if I sound biased, but I think he's the best catcher of all time. He's definitely one of the best defensive catchers of all time. Like, I, I know there, there's that, that guy in the, the Cincinnati Reds. He was okay. But, you know, for me, it's Pudge um, because of how long he did it, how, like, his arm was incredible. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Um, there's this Pudge story that I like to tell. Um, 
it's actually Pudge's story. There was this time back when I was a an intern with Fox Southwest. We were doing a um, a documentary about Pudge when he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and so I got to be there in the room for this little sit down interview. And he had the story about when he got uh, scouted. Oh my! And so he was never really the guy that people were were looking for. He wasn't like the the major prospect of the time. Um, he was kind of he was pitching, I think, at the time, but. Um, but the Ranger scout who was there to see some other guy saw him like make a throw from either right field or from like pitching or whatever. They like they saw his just his arm. They're like, "Hey, you want to try like catcher for a second? And he's like, "Yeah, I, I caught a little bit." And so um, they timed him on a pop time, mm-hmm. and it was sub two. It was like one point like eight eight something. Like literally like elite. They're like, "We're signing this guy right now." Like that's it. <laughs> that's the whole the whole thing. That one little sequence there. And turns out he was a pretty darn good catcher for the Rangers. But yeah, uh, looking back at that defensive, like defensively, um, Will Clark was was really solid defensively. Mark McLemore, they call him the doctor of defense. Yes. Um, Dean Palmer was all right. Rusty Greer in left field was a much better fit. And Daryl Hamilton obviously has uh, pretty good defensively as well. Yeah, and Kevin Elster at shortstop was a very good defender. Yeah, I was not paying attention back then because I was uh, a wee baby boy. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, I know, I know. I figured I wanted to bring it up anyway, but um, but the Rangers. He he also had twenty four home runs as a shortstop, which they didn't really do that at shortstop back in that day. No, and he wasn't a home run hitter per se. I don't know if this record still stands, but he drove in ninety four runs from the number nine spot in the order, and that's at least at the time was a major league (laughs) record. Honestly, that sounds like. That that is the Rangers team. Like uh, I don't really remember much of Dean Palmer, um, but he had 38 home runs that year. That was yeah. a typical Juan Gonzalez year of of 47 bombs. Mickey Tettleton was was in there popping at his his many many bombs. But uh, yeah, Pudge actually had 47 doubles that year. Kind of insane. He was a great hitter. I mean, Pudge Rodriguez, you mentioned him probably the best. I, he might be Mike Piazza and him. They're the two best offensive catchers. I think. Of all time, Pudge obviously the much better defender than Piazza was, particularly when it I'll came give, to arm strength. But say I'll give Piazza the edge on offensive catcher, like that—that's okay. But yeah, Pudge is definitely right there at, at second. You want to know something cre- incredible from that season? Like I remember that that Pudge had some really great plate discipline. He didn't walk a whole bunch. He only had 38 walks and 685 plate appearances at that time. That was 153 games that he probably caught all of them. But he could hit anything. You know how many strikeouts he had that year? I don't. Not too many. He is. He had 55 strikeouts. 55. That's, That's insane. It's insane, but at the same time, it doesn't surprise me because he could he could swing the bat anywhere, and mm-hmm. he'd make contact. Yeah, he would. I don't know why they have his, his OPS was 814 that year. They have his OPS plus is 100, which was just league, league average. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Don't you call Pudge <laughs> league average in anything. How dare you? <laughs> like I said, 1996 but, was a crazy offensive year for the American League uh, that season, and Juan Gonzalez was the MVP, if I recall. Yeah, I think he was. Um, let me double check that um, just to make sure. Yeah, he was 26 that year. Um, had a, oh my gosh, his OPS was uh, 10-11, which I think was a right right around where um, where Mike Trout's was. Um, yep, yeah, 1996 MVP. Um, that was one of his two MVP years. He also won it in '98, and then Pudge won it. In '99, so oh, that's right. The, yeah, the Rangers had three MVPs in four years, and nobody um, ever actually, talks was, about that. They really don't. I feel like '99 there was some controversy um, about like who would win the. Uh, oh, it was Pedro. People thought Pedro should win the 
the um, MVP oh, that year. That's no, right. that was stupid. Yeah, it was stupid. There was more controversy over the over the Gold Glove. I think it was 1999, where and this uh, this is a Ranger, so I apologize, but Rafael Palmero won it. But he was mostly a full time DH. I think he played like forty games at first base and still got the Gold Glove. <laughs> yeah, the Gold Glove is always questionable, especially at first base. I feel like they're like, oh yeah, you can hit, so therefore you're a good defender. Like, no, that's stupid. Like it took Mitch <laughs> Moreland so long to win his first Gold Glove, and he was an incredible defender. Yeah. Um, but uh, he never got the the Gold Glove award because. He didn't hit well enough, which is just stupid for a defensive award. But it, um, it is something of an offensive award, and I've never kind of given. Well, this player won such and such Gold Glove awards. Well, fine, but it's kind of voted on, isn't it? And if you don't have any offensive <laughs> output, if your name's not Ozzie Smith, you're not going to win it. <laughs> Nothing yeah. against Ozzie Smith. Obviously, he's you know he is who he is and needs no introduction, and he wasn't a bad offensive player. I mean, Elvis Andrews should have had at least one or two gold gloves that Derek Jeter had. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. I'll leave it at that. Yes. Um, but circling back to baseball in 2020, uh, oh, what yes. are you looking for 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 the Mariners? I know there's the Mariners have a pretty deep farm system. They didn't really have it um, a couple of years ago, but um, some some tides turning um, and uh, lots of lots of trades made. A lot of um, trades. Yeah. <laughs> the farm system has been stocked up. So what? What do we have to to look forward to for Mariners of the future? Because I know there's a couple studs there on the farm. Mariners of the future and Mariners of this year are probably two different subjects. I don't think that this year is going to be much in win. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. That's just the way it is. The Mariners are not going to be much in terms of win loss percentage this year. I think that their win loss percentage probably will be similar to what it was last season. I'm looking for a, a good season from Kyle Lewis, probably the everyday left fielder, maybe in right field, since Mitch Haniger is going to be gone for who knows how long. I'm interested to see what Tom Murphy can do. Um, kind of as a full season full season as catcher. He kind of came out of nowhere last year. Although Scott Service has said he's going to catch maybe 55% of the time and Aaron Nola is going to catch pardon me, Austin Nola will catch 45% of the time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they Ooh. are brothers. And the complete <laughs> wild card to me is Evan White, who's not played Major League Baseball at all. Played all last year at Double yeah. A Arkansas. And still got a six-year major league contract. Was pretty much named the everyday first baseman. Had a pretty good spring training. He's talked about as a future Gold Glove award winner because because he's just a crazy. He's got good range. If he wasn't a left-handed thrower, he'd make an excellent third baseman because he's got the range. He's got the arm and he's got the glove. Can play the outfield too, from what I hear. I'm interested to see what he can do. And somebody and I and my I, this is the third time I've said this this week. So locked on Mariners. Uh, listeners, I apologize, but I'm interested to see what Justice Sheffield can do because my opinion on him is changing. I was not very high on him at first because he put too many runners on base. His fastball was too hittable. He walked too many guys. The control is better this spring. He's gotten rid of the four-seamer, and he's gone to a two-seamer, which has more movement to it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Cautiously optimistic there. Okay. Yeah, what do you think about J.P. Crawford? Because he's a guy who definitely had some hype as a prospect with a top, like, five prospect overall in like most circles um back in like 2016 or whatever he he first came up um but he kind of fell off there um i don't really know what happened because i can't say i followed the phillies too quick too closely mm -hmm. um but what do you think about him and his potential to be an everyday kind of guy 
I think he will be an everyday kind of guy. That was the name I was going to mention next, but um, time constraints and all that. But <laughs> I like J.P. Crawford. He is fun to watch play shortstop. He's got the range. His glove is improving. Two years ago in Philadelphia, his glove was very much below average. Last year, in terms of glove, he was exactly at league average, and the range was, was the same. So he's obviously an improvement there. I think he'll continue to get better. As I said uh, previously, I don't remember if it was on this program or, or another one that I recorded, that he faded down the stretch last year for the Mariners. I cannot speak with this time in Philadelphia because I don't follow them either. Um, the Mariners wanted him to get stronger to be able to last a full season, and he did that. He worked at it, and he did not have the best offensive spring training, but those numbers may may as well be thrown out the window because we may have another training camp coming up in <laughs> somewhere between 6 and 53 weeks. Who knows? But... Um, <laughs> Uh, J.P. Yeah, Crawford's one of my favorites. I like I like to watch him play, and I think he will be a good shortstop, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, which lets it's shortstop, which to me is still a defensive first position, but he'll hit too. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I'm, I feel kind of bad for Mariners. Like, because I, I didn't grow up, uh, and like I wasn't paying attention to baseball back when the Mariners were good, and mm-hmm. so there were a lot of Mariners fans who were loud and happy and good about their team. I just kind of know the Mariners fans that are sad and beat down, and you know, we we got a baseball team here, and it's okay. I kind of like baseball, I guess, and <laughs> just kind of more sheepish. So I, I have nothing but love for Mariners fans. <laughs> well, we appreciate so. that. Thank you, sir. That's good. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely well over, but, you know, it's baseball talk, so <laughs> you can never have enough of it. And, you know, we've touched on the important things, the 96 uh, Rangers defensive abilities, um, looking for the future in uh, Seattle and all kinds of different stuff. And we've definitely got some Ichiro talk in here, so I, I def- I'm glad that we did that because you always need some Ichiro talk with, with Mariner- Mariners. Ichiro talk is good talk. One thing that I remember about Ichiro and the Rangers specifically, he loved to hit in whatever the name of the ballpark in Arlington happened to be at any particular Just, time. Like, it's 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 the ballpark in Arlington. I will not I will not address it as its former name and I hate the new name Globe Life Field and that's like that's it. Like you were Globe Life Park for like three years or whatever and I'm like, Okay, we get a new stadium, what's it gonna be? Globe Life Field. That that sucks. Like the name sucks. But I, I need to know one more thing before you go. Sure. How do how do Mariners fa- fans feel now about Adrian Beltre? Because because I know that there was definitely some some animosity towards him when he left. Oh, there's there, there's no hard feelings. I mean, I think that was more the fact that he didn't deserve the big contract that he got, and he played up to his career numbers when he was a Mariner, but it just was not worth the forty eight million dollars that. I think it was Bill Bavese at the time signed him to. He played his final final major league game as a Mariner. I mean, we're we're we like him. We like him. He's an obvious Hall of Famer and took off after his career with the Mariners, but we're used to that. <laughs> yeah, just another really great left side of the infield player that uh did really well in Texas, you know. It just it happens. Like, I don't think the Rangers even expected him to be what he was. I mean, cuz that kind of a resurgence and like basically career years every year yeah. from like I think 31 was when the Rangers signed him to like 38 he was incredible and he just like kept on trucking and kept on playing 150 plus games a year and was still elite until like 37 um, which is just mm-hmm. kind of insane and you know the Rangers really appreciated him and I, I feel like Mariners would have appreciated him more if he was 
if he was who he was or like showed his personality like he did in Texas because mm-hmm. like the antics between um, Felix and Beltran were <laughs> amazing oh yeah they like, totally were flat out amazing uh-huh. and so if he did that more like showed that personality when he was in Seattle and I think back then he was wanting to take baseball more seriously and not show like, uh, like I can't look like I'm having too much fun because like I haven't been in baseball long enough and I'm not doing well so I can't act like I'm just like joking around and not taking this seriously but when he went to the Rangers he was, felt like more comfortable to be himself and show how hilarious and ridiculous he, he can be so <laughs> I um, wonder if that's why he yeah. took off there honestly it might be I don't, I don't know. know I think it's a combination of a lot of things but uh he certainly was a late bloomer and um yeah we're looking forward to his going into the hall of fame it's gonna be as a ranger we know that his time in seattle was was lackluster but um yeah we're we, we like yeah. him we like him yeah that's good that's good i needed to hear that i needed to know that because he is like one or two in like most rangers fans like most beloved players so i'm glad i'm glad that the the hard feelings i think the the friendship with felix kind of kind of sewed it up and ev- like he just became like baseball's dad towards the end everyone's like yeah everyone loves beltre like that's just kind of who he is he's the the vet the funny guy that just don't touch his head or he'll hurt you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i feel like that's as good a note to to end on as, as any uh dc where can can locked on rangers people find your podcast and, and find you on the internets well, they can find the podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as I like to say. The show's got a Twitter address, at LO underscore Mariners. I am on Twitter as well, at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, for those scoring at home. And for my audience, sir, where can uh, they find you on the uh, out there? Ugh, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm leaving it in, but it's well, terrible. It's fine. It's fine. No judgment here. Um, you can find uh, the the podcast is tw- has a Twitter. Uh, it has a mind of its own, um, even though it's just run by me. Um, it's at Locked On Rangers. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. That's Bryce with an I. I Patrick P A T E R I K. Um, yeah, this has been a blast. We should do this more often. You know, hopefully there can be some some baseball in, in the near future. Absolutely, I look forward to it. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks for having me. Great conversation with Bryce Patrick of Locked on Rangers, which again ran very long, so we're going to get out of here quickly. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked on Mariners and Locked on Rangers on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app you care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked on Mariners or Locked on Rangers or Locked on anything. Went over the Twitters already, so we won't do that, but please do ask your smart device to play Locked on Fantasy Baseball upon the conclusion of this podcast. Wrapping up the week tomorrow, our crossover with Locked on Angels. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. This is Joey Martin letting you know that we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Locked on Mariners, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.